really. Yeah. Say that again. How do we address race when we all identify as white? And I think, so this, this is a uh, secret conversation that we had that I had an awesome conversation with you after your uh, first podcast. Um, this is Jen Facet for people who can't see who I'm talking to. Uh, Kevin Richards is in the room, Aaron Santeo as well. Um, so we had this awesome conversation and I was learning how to podcast and I saved the audio file I don't know, into the trash can or something like that. <laughs> I don't know what I did, but all of a sudden I got off the Skype with you and I'm all, oh no, it's gone. And I just wanted to revisit this. And I think one of the issues that I, I have had um, is, you know, I teach at a fairly diverse institution, George Mason University, but our PE teachers are pretty, pretty much mostly white. And so, you know, there are there is diversity there, but then I struggle talking about race being white, right? And I I struggle with, um, you know, even like I'm I'm not originally American, but then I have all this like other guilt on top of that. And so I don't know, like how do you when when you teach your future students, how do you teach them to talk about race, or how do how do we do this? I think teaching them about how to teach for anything social justice is really difficult unless it is infused in every single class that they take and they also have a social justice course and it's a part of their field experiences. Yes. I have not been very successful, I'll be honest with you. Anything really related to social justice aside from some gender issues and of course disability ability. So it is difficult. And the first thing I always try to, of course, identify is my own white privilege. Mm -hmm. And I talk about my white privilege and I try to get them to understand their own white privilege. I didn't until I had Pat Griffin when I was at UMass Amherst even realize how privileged I was until I was white. That was my doctoral program. So here that we are with, you know, 18 to 22, 23 year olds, having them to identify as white without making them have the whole white guilt mm -hmm. at the same time. And so it's opening the door to start having that conversation of what does it look like if you are white and what does it look like if you're non-white? And we know homogeny happens a lot. And so if you are only three or four black kids that are in a class who identify as black, then they are going to be together. And then we start looking at it as that that's a black issue. Well, they're not wanting to integrate with the white, but no, it's a white issue mm -hmm. and how we are permeating things. And so trying to get them to look to acknowledge that color exists um, and just because you acknowledge a color exists it makes you more socially just of not just being like I don't see color and I think that a lot of our pre-service teachers are naive of like I don't care who you are or how you identify but yes we do because then we make and then it's talking about how do we make curriculum decisions based on this so are we doing things that are all golf and tennis and all very white oriented sports and activities what does that look like from a curriculum standpoint? What does it look like how we um, provide our instruction? Um, so is it gender divided? Is it racial divided? Are, what positions are the, the students playing? So if you're doing flag football, you know, who's the quarterback? Is that person you know, white, but you're making sure the running back or the wide receiver is black? Why? And because this is what the media tells us of who's the smart versus the more athletic. 
And so I use sport a lot to teach about race because that is a place of comfort and you can use a lot of media sources and images to try to dissect it. But it's always a cursory. It's always a beginning. There's never enough to be able to do it. And then yes, the fact that I'm white standing up there saying that and I occasionally have a non-white student in my class and you don't want to tokenize them yeah. because you cannot speak for everybody that's a non-white person you just can't do that yeah I think that it goes even beyond like this um even beyond white and or race essentially right like we think about the power dynamics that are all over and so like even when we think about class and so one of the things that I one of the first activities that I do with my students is really like trying to explain my positionality and where I come from and I explain that in very various ways like my class background that I am a straight white female like that all plays into my positionality as a person and how um, the experience that I have experienced and then making them self-reflect on their own lives and many people don't think about those specific categories if you will in relation to their own life and so just bringing that to their attention like is that first start right mm -hmm. and then once they they're aware of it they still might not understand how things have actually influenced them and how power has really played this role in their life either way on either side of the spectrum right and so then as we dive deeper into topics like really then revisiting that and so for me, I think that being open and having that conversation with students, um, no matter who you are, is really important. But it's also about creating a place where people feel comfortable. And that is also about myself feeling comfortable. And one of the ways that you do that is just by opening up and saying that I'm not perfect. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be perfect when we talk about these mm -hmm. issues. But the important thing is to begin that conversation and yeah. to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is something that I've been struggling with a lot over the last couple of years as well. Um, when I was down in Alabama, uh, Tori Ivy and I ran an after school program um, that was in a community affected by poverty outside of the university campus. And uh, uh, we worked with um, a lot of uh, minority students uh, and a lot of students who were on the free and reduced lunch program, that kind of thing. Uh, and we were working with our pre-service teachers out in this uh, out as part of this initiative. And uh, you know, we, ha we had to have these conversations about race, about uh, gender, about et cetera. Uh, and, and I really struggled with it. Um, and at AERA this year, actually, I, I raised my hand uh, after uh, Mara, Simon t Mara Simon finished presenting. And I said, um, you know, as, as a straight cisgender white male, how do I address these things? And um, I thought that her response was pretty profound in that she said, you just need to start like you just need to try and it doesn't have to be perfect if you make mistakes that's fine but if you just totally disregard it then that doesn't help at all and that that kind of gave me the permission i think that i needed to, to look at this in a little bit of a different way um but you know we, we just finished recording a, a different podcast focused on the the social justice uh future directions article and in one of the, the sections in that focused on professional development for peak, for peak faculty members. And I don't have training um, in social justice properly. 
Uh, and, and so Dylan Landy and I are starting a self-study this year where he's going to help me develop social justice, socio-cultural competence so that I'm better able to um, think through these things and, and develop pedagogies that are that are more inclusive in, in my classes. So that's my attempt to seek out the professional development that I feel like I need. I think that's really important. Um, Joanne Hill and I, um, we just um, published a book chapter that was um, in Simeon and Laura Azarito yep. that just is coming out and we did a self-study looking at race and we each took like an introductory course that we were teaching and then one of our pedagogy based courses to try to really challenge one another about how we were addressing yeah. race and how different it was in our introduction or foundation courses and how we had more racial diversity in those courses comparative to in our pedagogy courses and how white that they were and how we were much more open to question and challenge and engage in those conversations with those introductory foundation courses and how we were more tentative of addressing race in our pedagogy courses that were primarily if not all white mm. and so doing self-study even though you may know that of yourself and having that like challenge is really great and powerful yeah. to be able to look at it. and it seems like you're doing it from a global perspective but we did it specifically to race mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I i just think it's interesting to you know think about it from all these different angles of how do you do it and in what context can you do it in my second year teaching i taught a master's level course that there were very few physical education folks in there but it was about pedagogy and we talked about race there was one African-American student in that class, and we, we were having this engaging conversation, and I kept on leaving it open for him to like have a discussion. He didn't say anything. And at the end of the class, when we finished, he came up to me and talked to me for 30 minutes about everything that I just had a conversation about. And I'm like, why don't you speak up in class? Like, All of these ideas are super valid, really important, and it would have engaged the whole entire class so much better. He said, I can't speak on behalf of everybody yeah. in like who I am, mm -hmm. and if I say something in this class that's depicted in a certain way, I feel like people will judge all of my race mm -hmm. based on my opinion. And I'm like, oh man, I make you feel like that in class? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm setting you up in a class situation that you are not comfortable sharing. And I'm just like, man, I'm not doing this right at all. But and you were well-intentioned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it, it's and society that has set yeah. that up. It's society yeah. because everywhere a non-white person goes, they uh, are critiqued and questioned and challenged in ways that we have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. No absolutely. idea. And that is really, really difficult. And I can't imagine what that is like. I mean, mm -hmm. I identify as gay, but you don't look at me. I mean, you may look at me and say, oh, she's so gay, but you may <laughs> not, right? It's not the color of my skin. Like, I can hide that more. Yeah. And that is still, in many ways, more socially accessible than whether you're non-white. It, yeah. it, re it just really well, is. Like, like, just getting that conversation out, like, you talked about acknowledging white privilege and talking about that. You know, I've never been questioned if I walk into a hotel or a restaurant or a bar mm -hmm. to go to use the bathroom in, in Midtown Manhattan or whatever. I just walk in, nobody asks anything. You know, nobody says customers only. You know, and I, and I feel like those are just ex small, tiny examples. And I was super, like, 
you know, naive before I went to teacher's college, before I had these classes that really like opened up my mind. And that was fairly late in my life. And then to think, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, wow, like, who was I before this until like, I learned more. And, you know, I think it's explaining a little bit to students of you know, not being perfect. I think you, I think you talked about that before so well and I'm very open and exactly what Erin said I started off with their self so self and social identities and self-exploration I mean you have to start with the self right yeah. and then also the key thing is you're asking them to be vulnerable and identify who they are and what their experience are like but you have to do the same mm -hmm. and so I come out to them I'm very open and I have been marginalized in many ways because I'm gay and I give them many examples but I still don't represent all the LGBTQ population. They have to go and interact and work w with other people who identify as, as gay because you, you're, you're an N of one. Mm -hmm. And how I am is different from somebody else. And that is why these students don't want to speak up because if they do, even though they are just talking for themselves, they do represent a race, especially if you're only one in a yeah. class. That makes it really difficult. And to just kind of push this conversation a little further, I mean, we're just talking about kind of like getting our students to understand that all of these dynamics occur, right? And having these conversations in our teacher preparation classes, but then how do we get our students to then take this to their K-12 classroom and apply it and have these conversations mm -hmm. with their students so that these power dynamics are kind of being challenged within that K-12 setting. And that's even like, more difficult yeah, to like engage in that conversation right, right well and that i asked my students at the end of this past semester after we spend 10 to 12 hours every single week but they're afraid they're mm -hmm. afraid because they're going to be a new in service teacher administration may or may not support them yeah how do they navigate the parents and guardians and going to what kevin said of like I'm open to learning about social justice, but I don't have all the language and the tools and may not feel as confident as I do to navigate those challenges that come their way. If you're still nervous and new, um, then you're not going to do that. And so that's why when you start looking at social justice from a systemic issue, an institutional issue, but that is too much for their little brains yeah. to take in when we're teaching them curriculum and instruction and assessment and everything else, which is where the professional development needs to come yeah. in and why it has to be a whole systemic process um, because they're just, they're afraid of doing that. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's, that's a good little, little tiny dive into that 30 minute conversation we had before. So. Uh, thanks, thanks a lot. I really appreciate all your time. Thank you. Thank you. Time. Thanks, Chris.